0: Hi everyone, I'm Jess, and I host the podcast Shoes, Booze, and Tattoos. I like to discuss a little bit of everything that's weird or unusual, from hauntings and folklore to true crime and history. I'm not only a podcaster, but I'm also a practicing witch, so I've made sure to dedicate a few episodes to the subject and dispel some of the common misconceptions about the craft. So if this sounds like your cup of tea, you can find Shoes, Booze, and Tattoos anywhere you get podcasts. And remember that booze is spelled B-O-O-S. I hope to see you all soon. Bye. All right guys, welcome back to the Universal Monster series. Today we will be talking about the original monster movie from Universal, The Hunchback of Notre Dame, all the way back in the early years of 1923. So I am your host Jimbo and this is my co-host Terrence. Terrence. So we did a little something different with this, and we're not going to talk through the movie. Instead, we put it on the Facebook group, and we had a watch party last night. Yes, we did. So um, thanks to those that joined in. It was my first time ever hosting one. I was trying to see what we could do, couldn't do. Yeah. So it was pretty cool. Kind of like it was pretty cool. testing the waters with right. it. Right. So I thought a had a better time to do it than with that movie. So Terrence, they know the routine. We don't take long. We just jump right in. So let's do it. All
1: right. So Hunchback of Notre Dame. Release date, September 6, 1923. Budget was $1.25 Million, million uh, in
0: 1923?
1: Yeah, that's a lot. And if you uh, account for inflation and everything, that's uh, $22.5 million uh, in today's money. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, they made $3.5 million. And uh, in today's money, that's $52.5 million. So it... <laughs> It made, made some money. Yeah, it made some money. It's it did pretty good. Uh, directed by Wallace Worsley. Writing credits: uh, Victor Hugo uh, wrote the novel. Interestingly enough, I never knew it was a book, but I should have figured it was. Really?
0: <laughs> uh, you know, I Terrence, mean, like, it's, it's not a comic book or video game, so I, I didn't <laughs> think you would know what it was. I
1: have read pretty. I've read written. I've read written pretty of books. <laughs> uh, I've read plenty of books. Really, uh, have you read Treasure Island? Uh, who hasn't? I thought that was like...
0: Well, I, I, obviously, you thought <laughs> I
1: was thinking. All right. Uh, Burley, Poor, uh, Shrihan adaptation. Uh, Edward T. Lowe, Jr., scenario. And Chester L. Roberts, uncredited. The technical specs, run time, an hour and 35 minutes. So we're looking at 95 minutes. Uh, I felt like this was longer... <laughs> Wasn't this one like
0: two hours? Well, it was like an hour and 40 minutes, I think, yeah. because of the, uh, I don't want to say subtitles, because uh, in a silent film you have yeah. the action and then you have the black screen with the white words up there. You know what I mean? So you yeah. have to read it. So I, I, I think like, it's a little um, bit longer than...
1: Yeah. Uh, sound mix, silent. Color, black and white. Uh, aspect ratio, 1. <laughs> 1.33 by one. Film length, 3,657 meters. And that's 12 reels. Negative format, thirty-five millimeter cinematographic process, spherical printed film format, thirty-five millimeter. And now for the awards. Only two.
0: <laughs> oh, I, I see. You. I see you trying to buy sometimes. Like, how do I say this word?
1: <laughs> all right. Uh, Avignon <laughs> slash New York Film Festival. Gotta catch them all. I know, right? New York Film Festival, two thousand and one winner. For Honorary Roger, uh, Kevin Sanders Hayes, uh, for his new score. So I suppose that this uh, particular movie had an original score for it, because, I mean, you don't have voices to carry the movie, so you got to have something carried but,
0: but I think, if I remember, I read something about where I don't think it had anything.
1: Really? And it was then completely silent. It was completely silent, and then they added, silent, then they the, added music.
0: the music, composed the music uh, later on. Oh,
1: okay, all right. Uh, photography... or I'm oh, sorry, uh, PhotoPlay Awards... Nineteen twenty-four. Nineteen twenty-four. Nineteen twenty-four. It's going to be one of those days recording, <laughs> you can just tell. Nominee uh, Medal of Honor. That's an interesting award to have. Um, but, 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 I can't even, can't even say what I want to say. has <laughs> been a long day, ladies and gentlemen.
0: And it's just starting.
1: <laughs> Synopsis. A deaf, half-blind, disfigured hunchback that watches over the bells of Notre Dame follows in love with a gypsy.
0: And let's go ahead and jump off to the cast. Um, this has one of the most iconic actors in it of the generation, uh, Lon Chaney. Um, if you've uh, been watching, uh, listening along, he actually is the father of... Of the Wolfman, Lon yep. Chaney Jr. So, what a lot of great family. Uh, he plays Quasimodo, which is, of course, the Hunchback. Uh, a lot of people might remember the Hunchback as far as the Disney movie Yeah, to
1: remember. it's pretty much all I had right. uh, to go off of.
0: <laughs> uh, Patsy Ruth Miller as Esmeralda. Norman Carey as Phoebeus de Chateaupers. Kate Lesser as Madame de Gondolariar. See, I'm, 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 I am should to let you do this because you're so much better at slaughtering names. Uh, Winifred Bryson as Fleur de Lis. Nigel de Brulier as Dom Claude. Uh, please, all of our uh, French listeners, please don't be mad at me. I'm trying here. <laughs> the French uh, names are
1: hard, man. They are, man.
0: Uh, Brandon Hurst as Jihan. Ernest Torrance as Kloppen. How would you like to have that name, Kloppen? <laughs> Uh, Tully Marshall uh, as King Louis the XI, which would be, what, 11? 11. 11, yeah. Harry Von Meter as Monsieur Neufrechatel Raymond Hayton as Gringor. <laughs> Nick DeRuiz as Monsieur Le Torturo, Tortilla. <laughs> i <just> say Tortilla. <laughs> uh, U-Lelio Jensen as Marie. Roy Laudal- Laudlaw as Charmalou, Ray Myers as Charmalou's assistant. William Park as Josephus. Gladius Brockwell as Sister Gudeau, Jean Cossaire as Judge of the Court, uh, Edwin Wallach as King's Chamberlain, and Louise Laplanche as the Young Gypsy Girl. And now that we've lost all our French listeners. We might have lost everybody <laughs> at this point. Um uh, one thing, though, when we was doing the watch party, there was a guy that, uh, I forget which character it is, because he looks just like, uh, somebody said, I think it was Dwayne, said, Hey, it's Inigo Montoya with <laughs> <from> The <laughs> Prince <laughs> <Prime. laughs> That's funny. Oh, All right. Wallace Rosley Jr., the son of the film director, said that many of the extras for the massive crowd scenes were recruited in downtown Los Angeles for a dollar a night and mills. What? Among them, he said, were a good number of prostitutes who did a considerable sideline business on the sets. <laughs> <laughs> well, then I was like, "Well,
1: guess what?" And we know where that dollar went.
0: Yeah, Universal also hired fifty Pinkerton detectives and put them among the crowd, and their job was to catch pickpockets and various other thieves among the extras. Oh wow! So, <laughs> wow. So, <laughs> I mean,
1: uh, just about the dollar. Uh, just, if you, <laughs> dollar's just a dollar, the, man. The, yeah, but if you count for inflation, that's twenty five dollars and ninety four cents. But that's a day. But Still, you, get a bill,
0: you get a bill, too. So Yeah. But I'm sure the mills weren't just like McDonald's or something. Well, just, just to give
1: you perspective, because uh, I've done extra work, and I've been paid as little as like 50 bucks.
0: Yeah, but you just did it because you loved to do it, though, right?
1: Yeah, I had fun. Right. I was networking.
0: <laughs> uh, Lon Chaney's makeup was his most extreme yet. A knotted wig, uh, a nose putty on the cheeks, uh, some false teeth, and fake eyes made up his visage. The final touch was a plaster hump, which contrary to popular opinion was only about ten to fifteen pounds. Oh only. And it okay. Did not cause Cheney any back problems. But I think there's a controversy there because I think there was problems later on. <laughs> Poor quality transfer of the film are due to the fact that it only survives in sixteen millimeter form, mainly through Universal's show at home film rental library. There's still about they say 10, 10 to fifteen minutes of footage missing. Hm. Uh, you know, you're whatever happens to that stuff. They just go missing. Well, I think okay, it, they're just um, lost on the cutting room floor back then. It's I they didn't care. It, there, there's there's
1: two things that happen to, to older movies in the reels. Either the their reels aren't stored properly, and then so you get moisture inside the reels and the reels go bad, or um, they you know it ends up in somebody's collection and uh, no, they never really speak up about it. Uh, that's another uh, big sort of. Um, uh, reason why movies will disappear. And then uh, sometimes it's just they have all the reels in one place and an incident happens and uh, they all just are in that incident. So, for example, I know there was a handful of uh, Lost Doctor Who episodes that were lost in a fire. Uh, so, like, but they all could have those, just used the TARDIS to go gone. back in
0: time and get it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so so here's, here's part of the controversy. Remember they said that the, the hump didn't cause no back problems, but... Yeah. Uh, the brace that held his legs together reportedly caused Lon Chaney to suffer severe pain for the rest of his life, as well as the uh, contact lenses that he wore. Yeah. That he would ha- had vision loss. Oh, geez. So maybe he didn't have back pain, but the rest of his body was falling apart. You yeah. Know what I mean, uh, Lon Chaney's salary for the film $2,500 a week. Um, shooting began in December tw- of 1922, and there's a fire truck or ambulance yeah. driving by. Yeah uh and was completed in June of 1923. So you're looking at $2500 a week for what, 6 months maybe. Uh ended up he ended up making close to $60,000 plus contract bonuses from the picture, which was the longest uh shoot in his career. So so he actually got paid pretty well if you take into account inflation, so
1: in today's standards $64,000 a day. Right. Or 64.5 really. Um and so, then what, what was what was the total they uh, made?
0: They made close to sixty thousand dollars. So you're looking at what?
1: So now we're looking at one million, one one point five million. And the movie.
0: budget was only one point two five million for the entire film. If you look at it that way, right? Uh, in order to prepare himself for the role of the hunchback of Notre Dame, known as Quasimodo, Lon Chaney held interviews with people who suffer from various physical deformities. His makeup was so masterful for its time that many viewers believed that the actor playing the title character truly appeared in real life as he did on the film. Oh, wow. So they thought he was really that messed up looking guy. Uh, For the larger crowd scenes, as many as 200 people were on payroll for the wardrobe, uh, wardrobe department alone. Universal also built a new wardrobe building, especially to handle the large number of extras who needed to be outfitted in 15th century clothes.
1: I didn't even take that into account due to the large amount of extras they had that they had to dress every single one right. of them. That's crazy. I mean,
0: it's, cra- it's some of those shots when he's like looking down from the, the top of the building and he sees just all them people. They all, yeah. it's crazy.
1: You, you think anybody just went home with those costumes?
0: <laughs> well, I mean, maybe. I mean, I, da- I don't know, but yeah. uh, it, that would be an interesting study to see what uh, extra clothing was used later on in different films, especially of different theaters. You know yeah. what I mean? Like was, uh, something you see in this movie, let's say, um, I know in the evil dead, I think or evil attitude, one of the two, the glove of Freddy Krueger remember, was loaned out oh, yep, and hung in right. the cabin, you know, but I mean, as far as actual wardrobe stuff, I am not sure. Um, According to the book Behind the Mask of Innocence, Detective William J. Burns stated that he caught a fugitive through watching the Hunchback of Notre Dame. One of his men spotted an extra in the mob scene wanted for forgery and had him arrested by the (laughs) Hollywood police (laughs) to catch a predator tonight from Notre Dame Cathedral. That's pretty funny. And last but not least, Lon Chaney guided young Patsy Ruth Miller in her performance. He told her that it was crucial... That the audience believe her in her conviction of the role, otherwise her performance would suffer. And she also stated that she got more directional um, for the movie, uh, directional acting from him than, than the director did. So huh. he was more influenced on in what happened. So Terrence, yeah, take it away. Let's talk about this. This is a shorter episode Ooh. because right. we did do the watch.
1: Um, I will admit I didn't get through this movie. I tried all of twice and I fell asleep all both times. Uh, the first time it was just because I was like absolutely tired and it was really, it's just, it kind of drags. So I was just like, okay, uh, I tried, fell asleep, didn't even know it. The second time it was mostly due to di- disinterest. Like it, was it wasn't even something I can, it's a silent movie. So it's not something you can watch in the background either. Like you have to have your full <laughs> attention on the movie. Um, and you know how sometimes millennials could be are ADHD all the time. So it's just like, well, I need something to preoccupy myself, but I also need to watch this movie. And then I fell asleep again. Um, and here's the thing. I wasn't even a fan of the cartoon. Uh, I, I know a lot of people like the the Disney film, um, but that just wasn't... It wasn't one that really stuck out. I, I've maybe watched it all, but like twice. Um, interesting story, but... Uh, uh, I, I suppose I'm not doing it justice for maybe those who are more into silent film era movies. Um, when it comes to silent films, I, I mostly dive into like comedies, comedies, uh, and then um, the documentaries could also be really interesting, the ones that sort of, um, at the time, pushed the envelope of like what movies are and what they do and what they're showing. Um so in this particular one, there are, I will give it credit for they did have some pretty amazing shots, like like you were saying when he's uh, observing uh, all the people from the bell tower and you,
0: you can well, see just when he like below. shimmies down from the very top down exactly, the side of yeah. the building all the way down, I thought that was really well done.
1: So so they have some well done shots. I, I will give it that, um, and I'm sure if if uh, you enjoy silent movies or if you're a sil- silent film buff, uh, I feel like you should definitely check it out. Um, but from my perspective. Um, it just, just based off me and my interest, uh, and my taste, I felt I was bored. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, um, a couple things. One for the time, I think it would have been fantastic if you were, went to the movies to see this Oh yeah, because, um, he looked creepy and back then people didn't have a lot of options oh, yeah, to the, see uh, stuff like The
1: makeup this. department was on point right. with what they
0: did. And we all know through history that, you know, his, the, his legacy from his son and everything, you know, that he put on that performance in The the Wolfman. Oh, yeah. And, and his other movies that um, I think he kept his family close to Hollywood. I think that's safe to say. Yeah. Um, for the time, um, it's good. Uh, for me, this one this one was a really hard watch. That's why I put it on the Facebook group so people could interact, you know, while, yeah. uh, while we're watching it. I feel like it know? would be easier to watch it in a group setting. Right. Yeah. Um, There is a uh, better um, Hunchback movie that I used to like when I was a kid. I think it's the 1939 one, I want to say. And it is really interesting and really well done. But it's not, uh, I don't even believe it's universal. Oh, okay. That's Uh, right. That's why I did this one because it's iconic. It is known as the first universal movie, monster movie. movie, And I wanted to make sure that people saw where it began to where, you know, what we talked through all the way through the end. So this was like the beginning point. Now, I will say this. This movie would be a perfect uh, thing for Mystery Science Theater 3000 That's where true. people make yeah. fun of the movie. Uh, <laughs> I'm serious uh, because even in the little times that we had in the Facebook group, uh, people were cracking jokes like the uh, one guy looks like Snape from Harry Potter, you know what I mean? And I said, look, it's the first Harry Potter council or whatever. That's so. Funny. um and I don't mean to sound disrespectful for what it did oh, yeah, for the actors course. that were in it, because at the time I'm sure they were stars. Yeah. Uh, but this is one that does not hold up. His makeup looks amazing. He did a great job. Some of the shots, some, some, some of the cin- some cinematography was just a little, a little quirky for me. And yeah. even even watching like um, when they put the words up. You know, from the oh, side movie, yeah, yeah, it was kind of like moving and stuff. You know, it was not; it wasn't as polished as it should have been, especially with the budget that it had compared to some compared other to some films, of the stuff yeah. that you've seen today. So that's my take on it. I would say watch it at least once. Or try to, or try, yeah, try <laughs> to, um, just to see where it came from, or even go back to our Facebook group and watch. I think it still saves on there I think so. later on. So I, I guess back.
1: that's another thing to, to to point out. If you're a fan of the Universal Universal Monsters movies, uh, definitely try to check. it or out. Or even Lon Chaney uh,
0: himself. Oh yeah, of course, yeah, because this is what made actor. him. I, Right. This is what made him. And just when he's up there and he's like, you know, yelling at the oh, yeah. people with his hands. And,
1: <laughs> and I just want to take a moment to, once again, because it's something we said in one of the Universal Monster episodes, uh, or, you know, the Wolfman one. Um, but it really does speak to how good of an actor he is to both make it in the silent film era and then make it to uh, when movies start Well, at least the dialogue. Well but we did read that he did continue to do movies uh uh he made it out of the silent film and then did Lon some Chaney afterwards. did yeah. are you sure you're remembering right, millennial I believe so yeah, yeah I, believe I'm, so? I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure we we were talking
0: about it we will have to give Terrence have to go back and listen to his own, <laughs> own podcast because I think he's just talking gibberish now so um but that's it for this episode um stay tuned we will be doing the Phantom of the Opera and Abbott and Costello meet. Frankenstein. Frankenstein. And we will have a wrap up show of our thoughts and feelings on the Universal Monsters series as a whole. Please tell us if you like the series. Um, we got some other things planned in the near future that I think is going to be fun. Uh, yeah, uh, it's, it's, fun it's, a, sure. it's hilarious. Some of it is just outright hilarious. So um, I think this episode's coming to a close. And that's a wrap. And, and cut. cut.